when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches lost Lord Jesus. Stately clump back All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by Preeti Teneja. Portals of discovery open to let in the Quaker librarian, soft creek-footed, bold, eared and assiduous. A shrew, John Eglinton said shrewdly, is not a useful portal of discovery, one should imagine. What useful discovery did Socrates learn from Xanthippe? Dialectic, Stephen answered, and from his mother, how to bring thoughts into the world. What he learned from his other wife, Myrto, Absent nomen, Socratidian's Epsychidian, no man, not a woman, will ever know. But neither the midwife's law nor the cowed lectures saved him from the archons of Sinn Féin and their noggin of Hemlock. But Anne Hathaway, Mr Best's quiet voice said forgetfully, yes, we seem to be forgetting her as Shakespeare himself forgot her. His look went from Bruder's beard to Caper's skull to remind to chide them not unkindly, then to the bold pink lollard costard, guiltless though maligned. He had a good groatsworth of wit, Stephen said, and no truant memory. He carried a memory in his wallet as he trudged to Romeville, whistling the girl I left behind me. If the earthquake did not time it, we should know where to place poor Watt, sitting in his form, the cry of hounds, the studded bridal and her blue windows. That memory, Venus and Adonis, lay in the bedchamber of every light of love in London. Is Catherine the shrew ill-favoured? Hortensio calls her young and beautiful. Do you think the writer of Antony and Cleopatra, a passionate pilgrim, had his eyes in the back of his head that he chose the ugliest doxy in all Warwickshire to lie with all? Good, he left her, and gained the world of men. But his boy-women are the women of a boy. Their life, thought, speech are lent them by males. He chose badly. He was chosen, it seems to me. If others have their will, Anne hath away. By cock she was to blame. She put the comether on him, sweet and twenty-six. The grey-eyed goddess who bends over the boy Adonis, stooping to conquer as prologue to the swelling act a bold-faced Stratford wench who tumbles in a cornfield, a lover younger than herself. And my turn? When? Come. Ryfield, Mr. Bed said brightly, gladly, raising his new book, gladly, brightly murmured then, with blonde delight for all. Between the acres of the rye, these pretty country folk would lie. Paris, the well-pleased pleaser. A tall figure in bearded homespun rose from shadow and unveiled its cooperative watch. I'm afraid I'm due at the homestead. Whither away, exploitable ground. Are you going? John Eglinton's active eyebrows asked. Shall we see you at Moore's tonight? Piper is coming. Piper, Mr. Best piped. 
Is Piper back? Peter Piper pecked a peck of pick of peck of pickled pepper. I don't know if I can. Thursday, we have our meeting, if I can get away in time. Yogi bogey box in Dawson Chambers, Isis unveiled. Their pally book we've tried to pawn. Cross-legged, under an umbral umbershoot, he thrones an Aztec logos, functioning on astral levels, their oversoul, Maha Mahatma, the faithful Hermitesis, await the light, ripe for cellarship, ring ground about him. Louis H. Victory, T. Caulfield Irwin, lotus ladies tend them in their eyes, their pineal glands aglow. Filled with his god he thrones, good under plantain, gulfer of souls, engulfer. He souls, she souls, shoals of souls, engulfed with wailing, cree cries, whirled, whirling, they bewail. In quintessential triviality, for years in this flesh case, a she-soul dwelt. They say we are to have a literary surprise, the Quaker librarian said, friendly and earnest. Mr Russell, rumour has it, is gathering together a sheaf of our younger poets' verses. We are all looking forward anxiously. Anxiously, he glanced in the cone of lamplight, where three faces, lighted, shone. See this, remember. Stephen looked down on a wide, headless calbeen, hung on his ash-plant handle over his knee. My cask and sword, touched lightly with two index fingers, Aristotle's experiment, one or two. Necessity is that in virtue of which it is impossible that one can be otherwise. Argar, one hat is one hat. Listen. Young Colum and Starkey. George Roberts is doing the commercial part. Longworth will give it a good puff in the express. Oh, will he? I liked Colum's drover. Yes, I think he has that queer thing. Genius. Do you think he has genius, really? Yates admired his line, as in Wild Earth, a Grecian vase. Did he? I hope he'll be able to come tonight. Malachy Mulligan is coming too. Moore asked him to bring Haynes. Did you hear Miss Mitchell's joke about Moore and Martin? That Moore is Martin's wild oats? Awfully clever, isn't it? They remind one of Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. Our national epic has yet to be written, Dr. Sigerson says. Moore is the man for it, a knight of the rueful countenance here in Dublin. With a saffron kilt? O'Neill Russell? Oh yes, he must speak the grand old tongue. And his Dulcinea? James Stevens is doing some clever sketches. We are becoming important, it seems. Cordelia, Cordolio. Lear's loneliest daughter. Nookshotten, now your best French polish. Thank you very much, Mr Russell, Stephen said, rising. If you'll be so kind as to give the letter to Mr Norman. Oh yes, if he considers it important, it will go in. We have so much correspondence. I understand, Stephen said. Thanks. Good ill you, the pig's paper, block befriending. Singh has promised me an article for Dana, too. Are we going to be read? I feel we are. 
The Gaelic League wants something in Irish. I hope you will come round tonight. Bring Starkey. Stephen sat down. The Quaker librarian came from the leave-takers. Blushing, his mask said, Mr Dedalus, your views are most illuminating. He creaked to and fro, tiptoeing up nearer heaven by the altitude of a Chopin, and covered by the noise of outgoing, said low, Is it your view, then, that she was not faithful to the poet? Alarmed faces ask me, Why did he come, courtesy or an inward light? Where there was a reconciliation, Stephen said, there must have been first a sundering. Yes, Christ fox in leather trues, hiding a runway in blighted tree forks from hue and cry, knowing no vixen, walking lonely in the chase. Women he won to him, tender people, a whore of Babylon, ladies of justices, bully tapsters' wives, fox and geese, and in new place a slack dishonoured body that once was comely, once as sweet, as fresh as cinnamon, now her leaves falling, all bare, frightened of the narrow grave and unforgiven. Yes, so you think, the door closed behind the outgoer. Rest suddenly possessed the discreet vaulted cell, rest of warm and brooding air, a vestal's lamp. Here he ponders things that were not, what Caesar would have lived to do had he believed the soothsayer, what might have been possibilities of the possible as possible, things not known, what name Achilles bore when he lived among women. Confined thoughts around me, in mummy cases, embalmed in spice of words, doth, god of libraries, a bird god, moony crowned. And I heard the voice of that Egyptian high priest, in painted chambers, loaded with tile books. They are still, once quick in the brains of men, still, but an itch of death is in them, to tell me in my ear a maudlin tale, urge me to wreak their will. Certainly, John Eglinton mused, of all great men he is the most enigmatic. We know nothing but that he lived and suffered, not even so much. Others abide our question, a shadow hangs over all the rest. But Hamlet is so personal, isn't it? Mr. Best pleaded. I mean, a kind of private paper, don't you know, of his private life? I mean, I don't care a button. Don't you know who is killed or who is guilty? He rested an innocent book on the edge of the desk, smiling his defiance. His private papers in the original. Tor and bad air and tear, Tom in a hoggett. Put Burla on it, Little John, quoth Little John Eglinton. I was prepared for paradoxes from what Malachy Mulligan told us, but I may as well warn you that if you want to shake my belief that Shakespeare is Hamlet, you have a stern task before you. Bear with me. Stephen withstood the bane of miscreant eyes, glinting stern under wrinkled brows. A basilisk, y cuando vede lomo la tosca, Messer Brunetto. I thank thee for the word. As we, or Mother Dana, weave and unweave our bodies, Stephen said, from day to day, their molecules shuttle to and fro, so does the artist weave and unweave his image. And as the mole on my right breast is where it was when I was born, 
though all my body has been woven of new stuff time after time, so through the ghost of the unquiet father the image of the unliving son looks forth. In the intense instant of imagination, when the mind, Shelley says, is a fading coal, that which I was is that which I am, and that which in possibility I may come to be. So, in the future, the sister of the past, I may see myself as I sit here now, but by reflection from that which then I shall be. Drummond of Hawthornden helped you at that style. Yes, Mr. Best, said young Lee, I feel Hamlet quite young. The bitterness might be from the father, but the passages with Ophelia are surely from the son. Has the wrong sow by the lug. He is in my father. I am in his son. That mole is the last to go, Stephen said, laughing. John Eglinton made a nothing pleasing mow. If that were the birthmark of genius, he said, genius would be a drug in the market. The plays of Shakespeare's later years, which Renan admired so much, breathe another spirit. The spirit of reconciliation, the Quaker librarian breathed. There can be no reconciliation, Stephen said, if that has not been a sundering. Said that. If you want to know what are the events which cast their shadow over the hell of time of King Lear, Othello, Hamlet, Troilus and Cressida, look to see when and how the shadow lifts, what softens the heart of a man shipwrecked in storms dire, tried like another Ulysses, Pericles, Prince of Tyre, Head, recone-capped, buffeted, brine-blinded, a child, a girl, placed in his arms, Marina. The leaning of sophists towards the bypass of Apocrypha is a constant quantity, John Eglinton detected. The high roads are dreary, but they lead to the town. Good bacon, gone musty. Shakespeare bacons wild oats. Cypher jugglers go in the high roads. Seekers on the great quest. What town, good masters? Mummed in names. A. E. Eon. McGee. John Eglinton. East of the sun, west of the moon. Tir Nanog. Booted the twain and staved. How many miles to Dublin? Three score and ten, sir. Will we be there by candlelight? Mr. Brandes accepts it, Stephen said as the first play of the closing period. Does he? What does Mr. Sidney Lee, or Mr. Simon Lazarus, a son of her his name is, say of it? Marina, Stephen said, a child of storm. Miranda, a wonder, Perdita, that which was lost. What was lost is given back to him, his daughter's child. My dearest wife, Pericles says, was like this maid. Will any man love the daughter if he has not loved the mother? The art of being a grandfather, Mr. Best began murmur. L'art d'être grand. His own image to a man with that queer thing genius is the standard of all experience, material and moral. Such an appeal will touch him. The images of other males of his blood will repel him. He will see in them grotesque attempts of nature to foretell or repeat himself. The benign forehead of the Quaker librarian enkindled rosily with hope. I hope Mr. Dedalus will work out his theory for the enlightenment of the public, 
Are we ought to mention another Irish commentator, Mr George Bernard Shaw? Nor should we forget Mr Frank Harris. His articles on Shakespeare in the Saturday Review were surely brilliant. Oddly enough, he too draws for us an unhappy relation with the dark lady of the sonnets. The favoured rival is William Herbert, Earl of Pembroke. I own that if the poet must be rejected, such a rejection would seem more in harmony with, what shall I say, our notions of what ought not to have been. Felicitously he ceased, and held a meek head among them, Alks ed prize of their fray. He vows and thees her with grave husband words. Dost love, Miriam? Dost love thy man? That may be too, Stephen said. There is a saying of Goethe's, which Mr. McGee likes to quote. Beware of what you wish for in youth, because you will get it in middle life. Why does he send to one who is a buonaroba, a bay where all men ride, a maid of honour with a scandalous girlhood, a lordling to woo for him? He was himself a lord of language, and had made himself a cloistral gentleman, and had written Romeo and Juliet. Why? Belief in himself has been untimely killed. He was overborne in a cornfield first, Ryefield, I should say, and he will never be a victor in his own eyes, after, nor play, victoriously the game of laugh and lie down. Assume Don Giovannism will not save him. No later undoing will undo the first doing. The tusk of the boar has wounded him where love lies a-bleeding. If the shrew is worsted, yet there remains to her woman's invisible weapon. There is, I feel in the words, some goad of the flesh driving him into a new passion, a darker shadow of the first, darkening even his own understanding of himself. A like fate awaits him, and the two rages commingle in a whirlpool. They list, and in the porches of their ears I pour. The soul has been before stricken mortally, a poison poured in the porch of a sleeping ear. But those who are done to death in sleep cannot know the manner of their quell unless their creator endow their souls with that knowledge in the life to come. The poisoning and the beast with two backs that urged it King Hamlet's ghost could not know of where he not endowed with knowledge by his creator. That is why the speech, his lean, unlovely English, is always turned elsewhere, backward. Ravisher and ravished, what he would but would not, go with him from Lucretia's blue-circled ivory globes to Imogen's breast, bare with its mole sink-spotted. He goes back, weary of the creation he has piled up to hide himself from himself, an old dog licking an old saw. But, because loss is his gain, he passes on towards eternity in undiminished personality. Untaught by the wisdom he has written, or by the laws he has revealed, his beaver is up. He is a ghost, a shadow now, the wind by Elsinore's rocks or what you will, the sea's voice, a voice heard only in the heart of him who is the substance of his shadow, the son consubstantial with the father. Amen, responded from the doorway. 
Hast thou found me, O mine enemy?